came here. Had surgery. All right. All right. Thanks for being here tonight. Take your Bible, go if you would to 2 Peter chapter 1. And um, <laughs> well, that, that, that song fits exactly what I'm going to preach about tonight. That doesn't always happen. In fact, sometimes, sometimes there are songs that are sung that I think are meant to carry the heart a different direction than the message that's being preached. It all works together for good. But tonight, these go together. So if you would, 2 Peter chapter 1. And if you look in verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." I know somebody may say, well, you know, those are the same four verses you read Sunday morning and the same four verses you read Sunday night, and I would agree with you, and I'm going to preach out of the same four verses this evening. And you say, well, now, I, that, isn't, that, isn't that a little redundant? I, I would say this, the depths of God's Word could not be mined by the greatest orators in the world because what he wrote is something has a depth to it. Now, two words I want to generalize. One, really, one word, two places. Verse number one, like the word precious, obtained like, and underline that word precious. And then verse number four, whereby are given us exceeding great and precious promises. Precious promises. Now, precious faith, precious promises, the trial of your faith, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, being precious. In fact, seven times in the book of First and Second Peter, the word precious is used seven times. The word precious just means of great value, of great price. Uh, usually what we do when we say the word precious, we tie it to something like a precious stone, a diamond, a jewel, a ruby, or a precious metal, silver or gold. And sometimes we take and we tie it to words like the word few, a precious few moments. A precious few days. We only had a few moments together. A few days together. A precious few breaths. Those last breaths perhaps of life. And I, I read and a man said for something to be precious you, need, you really need three aspects to it. Number one, it needs to be rare. Number two, it needs to be of intrinsic value. In other words, there has to be something within that thing that is valuable. And then number three, it has to have purpose. If it has no purpose, it really can't be considered necessarily to be precious. So all three of those things coming together, if I were to ask you tonight, what is the most precious possessions that you have at home? What would you say? I read several surveys and studies. Here's what many people had to say. They said, if, if I had to save one thing in my home apart from family, I would save the family photos, photos of our family old photos of our family because those can't be replaced. They're very precious. Other people said, no, I, I would save the home itself. 
The home means something to me and to our family. It's been in the family for a long time. Others said, no, I, I would save my wedding ring. I would make certain that the wedding ring is something that I kept. If there was a destruction in the home, I would try to find a way to save that. Others said jewelry. Jewelry, especially if it was belonged uh, to a member of the family, something that was passed down. Um, any kind of fair, uh, family heirloom was, was something that some mentioned. Well, that would be a, a very precious thing to me. Others talked about a car. You can guess that probably wasn't women that talked about that. Probably any more than men talking about saving a piece of jewelry. Others said they'd save their pet. Others would talk about, well, my, my collection of records or my collection of such and such, that's something very precious to me because can't be replaced. Been collected over all these years. Childhood artwork or childhood memory boxes, something that was done when they were a little child. I can still remember I, I, I was in high school and, um, and it was really rather embarrassing one day because I'd never really paid attention to it. One of my friends came home with me from high school and, and my mother on the uh, mantle of our fireplace had taken and I had made this little pilgrim out of a light bulb. It had a little black wrapping around the light bulb, had a little flat thing on it, had a little hat on it. And uh, one of my friends asked me, what's that? And I said, I, I don't know. Mom said, oh, that's what you made when you were like in the third grade. And I thought, well, we need to get rid of that. That's what we need to do. She kept that because it's precious. So what things are precious to you? That's a good question because the Bible says that we have precious faith and precious promises. And I would say this. I would say this tonight, thinking about the word precious. There are things that are precious in the eyes of man that have absolutely no value in the eyes of God in eternity. In other words, there are things that are so dear to people here on this earth, things that they would never part with, things that they would do anything they could to keep. But when you look at eternity, they mean absolutely nothing. And then on the other side of that, I would say there are things that are valuable in God's eyes that men down here could care less whether or not they have any part of that. I think, I think the Bible is the one that should make the decision on what is precious. And so what I'd like to do, I'd like to walk through a few verses with you tonight and let's just see what God calls precious. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 3 if you'd go there. Now, you need to turn with me to these passages. I'm not going to linger long, but I do want to go there and look. So God is going to declare what is precious. All right. I don't think God would declare a car precious. I don't think that God would declare probably a family heirloom precious. I, I think he would declare some other things to be very precious and very, very rare, very valuable. And the first one I want you to note is in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And look at verse number 1. Now, this is easy to read tonight. This is what the Bible declares. God says, this is precious. This is what's valuable. This is of a great price. Great word. Verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. First thing I'd like to say tonight is what's precious in God's eyes is the word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God is precious in His eyes. Now, I know we believe that here, that the Word that we have, the Bible that we have, those words were inspired by God. We believe those words were preserved by God. We believe those words were given by God. 
And I would say to you tonight, listen, I, I, I know we all probably are so accustomed to having one in our lap and one in our car and maybe one at home and maybe one on our phone. But I'm telling you right now, you're holding in your hands right now the most precious book that has ever been printed in the history of mankind. There is no book that is more valuable than this book. And somebody says, well, I disagree with that because I can buy a copy of the King James Bible down at the thrift store for a dollar. And there are books that sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. They may be valuable in men's eyes at that value. But I'm telling you right now, I value this book right here because it contains the words and the thoughts of God. This book. So the words of the Lord to us, they're precious. They're not something that we just say, well, it's not that important. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we preach from the Bible. I go a little bit farther tonight, and I'm not going to preach on just the King James Bible issue, but I would say this. The reason we believe these words are precious is because they have no errors in them. That wherever you turn in the Bible, you go through all the Bible, all 66 books, all 1,189 chapters, every single verse, every single word, there is not one error in the words of God. Somebody says, I just don't agree with that. Well, then you keep your man-made book and I'll keep mine written by God. Amen. And not only does it have no error in it, but you know what it is? There are not, there is not one wrong principle in this book. <laughs> Not one. How many of you remember when they came out and said, you need to stop eating butter and you need to eat margarine instead? Anybody remember that? And then now we've come out with a new study. Oh, you need to get rid of your margarine. Now you need to eat butter. I think they need to give people a refund on that. Right. Because now we told you one thing, but now we've come and changed our mind. Hey, are you listening to me? That's not the way God writes. When God writes something down, he doesn't have to go back and change it. He doesn't have to go back and fix it. The words of God are precious because there are no wrong principles in the Bible. I'll tell you another reason it's precious. Because every time I open the Bible, wherever I open it, it's always true. I, I'm t I, I really have no idea what to believe today. When it comes to the news, I have no idea what to believe. I have no idea who to believe. I have to, in the back of my mind, I have to ask the question, well, what's their angle? What, what is their agenda? What are they going to gain out of me listening, out of pushing this along down the road? But I'm telling you, I never have to worry about that with this book right here because whatever's in this book is true. Amen. So the words of the Lord, they're precious. They're precious. They're rare. They have an intrinsic value in them that you can't find in another book. And then the second thing, if you'll go with me, go if you would to 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel chapter 26. I can hear somebody saying, you guys are always preaching about the Bible. Well, I couldn't help it. God called his words precious. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 26. Look what the Bible says in verse number 21. Then said David, or then said Saul, I have sinned, return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. If you know the story, David spared Saul, but it doesn't say my life was precious. It says my soul was precious. I want to, God says his words are precious, but the soul of man is precious. 
The soul of man is precious because it is a eternal creation. God, God, there are people that believe that God created man and that soul is just burned up. They believe in the annihilation of the soul, that nothing happens after death. And I know we, we don't believe that here, but I'm telling you, that is a growing thought in our youthful generation today. That when life is over, that's it. There's nothing, there's nothing afterwards. There is no heaven. There is no hell. There is no purgatory. There are many, many people in this young generation that believe that, but that is contrary to the Bible. The Bible says, that rich man that said, uh, you know, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Thou hast laid up much goods for many years. And God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. We believe in a place called heaven and we believe in a place called hell. And the soul of man goes to one of those places. Matthew chapter 10 says, fear not him which is able to destroy the body, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. I'm telling you, what's on the inside of you is a whole lot more important than what's on the outside of you. I, I think I... I I've got the best illustration of that from a time a gentleman came and preached in our church. I don't remember his name, don't remember who he was, but as he was preaching, it may have been Bill Barron's, it may have been Bill. He pulled out a box, a ring box, and he began to preach about that ring box that, that was used to hold that engagement ring. But he talked about how that what we do is we try to take and place so much value on this velvet box on the outside, but really the value is on the inside. I'm telling you, what's on the inside of you is a whole lot more important than what's on the outside of you. And God says that soul is precious. That's why in Acts chapter 2, when 3,000 people got saved, he said there were 3,000 souls. In the boat, when Paul was in shipwreck, he said there were 276 souls souls aboard. You look at it and Peter in the Bible says that there were eight souls that were saved out of that ark. And I'm telling you right now, if your soul has been purchased by the Lamb of God and you're on your way to heaven, you have been blessed and you've been blessed indeed. Because the Bible says that soul is precious. Now look at it again now. Second Kings chapter one, just keep on moving. Second Kings chapter one. What's precious? In God's eyes, the soul is precious. People spend so much time trying to take and make something out of their body and change it and do all kind of things to it. God says your soul's important. Second Kings chapter one. Second Kings chapter one. Second Kings chapter one, look down at verse number 13. The Bible says, and he sent again a captain of the third 50. Now these are men who are going to Elijah. Two groups of 50 have already been burned, all the men. And the third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50 thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burnt up the two captains of the former 50s with their 50s. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. The Bible says not only the soul of man is a precious thing, but life is a precious thing. I think that, that we would say, well, of course the life is a precious thing. Well, it's not precious to some people. Because if you would take and you would abort a million babies in one year and end up throwing them on a trash heap or recycling them, then I, I say you, you don't have a very high value on life. That child should be given the right to live just like anybody else is given the right to live. 
All right. that, that is having a low value on life. There are many places around the world there is a low value on life. I, I, again, I, I don't know what all to believe, but I'm a little aggravated with a dictator over in Russia threatening the world with nuclear war that goes into a place where citizens live, not soldiers, and binds their hands behind their back and takes and tortures them and then buries them in a mass grave. And he does that to little children and he does that to women and he allows his soldiers to do unspeakable things. Listen, I'm telling you throughout history, men like Napoleon and men like Hitler and men like Caesar, I'm talking about thousands upon thousands of men slaughtered in battle, slain in battle, poured out like water on the battlefield and nobody gave a thought to it because conquest was important. I'm telling you right now, that's not the way we think. We believe life is precious. Life is precious. I'm talking about the life that you have right now that you live and breathe and and it's such a very rare thing. It's such a precious thing. I I know I had somebody ask me today, I was was eating with a local pastor and and uh, he asked me how old I was. And, I, and then he said, well, you, well, you in your 40s? Are you, you, you 43, 44, 45? Well, I bought his meal. I can tell you that right now. No, I'm, I'm 56, about to be 57. And you know what I remember? You young men, listen to me. I remember coming into this church, sitting back there at 23 years of age. And now I'm twice that. I had no family, I had no wife, I had no children, I had no ministry. And now I've I've closed my eyes, it seems, and and now everything has sped along the road to where now I'm actually thinking about, well, can I make it another 10 years before I have to turn this ministry and, and give this precious privilege that I have of pastoring over to somebody else because life is so brief. Are you listening to me? The Bible says that your life is like a vapor. It's a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and vanishes away. The Bible says your life is like a shadow, something that is up during the day and then gone, like grass that withers in one day. I'm, I'm telling you today, we ought to value life. Life is a precious thing. And because it's precious, I think we ought to take advantage of it. I think you ought to live. You know what I mean? By, I think you ought to live. I think you ought to breathe. I think you ought to interact with people. I think y'all look at the creation that God made. I think y'all take time to love people. I think y'all take time to touch things and taste things. I'm, I'm telling you, I think your life is so brief, there's going to come a day you ain't going to be able to taste anything. Right. Some of, some of you, I know you'd never, you'd never think this is true. Some of you young people say, I don't want to eat that. You don't have to worry about it. One day, you better not have any teeth. You just have something, nothing but gums in your mouth. All you'll be able to do is eat stuff that's soft. Can you imagine that? I don't want to eat that. You need to live. You, you know what? God says life is precious. There's about half the people in this country don't think that's truth. Oh, they think their life is precious. They just don't think every life is precious. There are people in this world don't think life is precious because of what they're doing to mankind. If they thought it was precious, they would change things. The life of man, the Bible says, is precious. Then look, if you would, Psalm 116. Psalm 116. I'm just t- these are things that God says are precious. This doesn't have anything to do with the Baptist covenant or uh, some kind of constitution or bylaws that we drew up. These are right from the Bible, the Word of God, the soul of man, the life of man. Yeah. Psalm 116. 
Look at Psalm 116. Look what the Bible says in verse 15. This is a hard verse, but it's in the Bible. Psalm 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now, that's a hard verse. You know, December, my dad went to heaven. I've got a picture of him on my desk in my study. and I look at it often when I'm there. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It doesn't say it's precious in our eyes, but it's precious in his eyes. You say, why would the death of the saints be precious in God's eyes? Well, again, it's the precious is the death. The Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Because, because they're ending their sorrow here and they're leaving all their trouble and all their toil behind. One of the joys about my dad being in heaven, there was a long time I did not want him to go, but I got to the place in my life that I was saying, God, if you just go ahead and take dad home, because he was suffering. He was, listen, he was not living. He was existing. And I knew that he had a better place to go to. I think God looks down at somebody that has labored in their, in their latter years or labored with a disease and it's precious in his eyes because their suffering and their sorrow gets to end. But then not only that, remember, God is our father. Would you say amen to that? God is our Father, and yet He's never held you in His arms. Now, He may have done that spiritually, but never physically. And when you leave this world, you leave this world behind. You've been at a long distance. You've been on the other side of that spiritual world that He lives in. You're on this earthly, temporal world. But when you stop breathing down here, you leave this temporal world, and you go to a place where God is. Amen. And now you've got a reunion going on up in heaven. He says, yeah, it's like your son coming home. It's, it's like somebody's been gone on a journey for a long time, and now they finally got to come in. And hey, 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 are you listening? I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the day that I get to see God face to face and not just hear about it. That's going to happen. My, that's my father. That's my savior. Get to see him face to face. He said, I'm looking forward to that day too. I'm looking forward. But you know, we think about, well, we, we've got to leave our loved ones here. They've got to leave us. But think about where they're going to. When you leave this world, the joy that you step into on the other side. How many of you think that we're blessed down here? Would you say amen? I mean, we just heard somebody saying, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. How many of you think we'll have more blessings in heaven? <laughs> How many of you think that we'll have perfect blessings in heaven? How many of you think that the, the, the bad days will end when we get to heaven? Barring the judgment seat of Christ, when that day's finally over with, we won't ever have another bad day. Listen, you will never look at somebody and say, well, I'm having a bad day. There won't be any bad days. It's going to be all blessing. And I, I, I can't fathom what's on the other side of this life, but I know the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. And if God says in my presence is fullness of joy and we have a beautiful creation that he made here, I'm telling you, I think he's excited about you being able to enjoy all that he has in this life in a body that's not full of corruption. Yeah. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And look at Psalm 126, Psalm 126. He says, it's precious to me for one of my loved ones to come home. Psalm 126, Psalm 126, look at verse number five. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The Bible says that those seeds of salvation, that they're precious. 
They're precious. Look at it again. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. We read about the sower goeth forth to sow the word. That seed, in that seed is next year's harvest. There was a time, and I'm just curious, is there anyone here that has ever saved your seed from your garden for the next year's garden? Can I see your hand? Thank you. you How many of you have never saved the seeds of anything and seeds are meant to be spit at a distance or thrown into something else? Is that true of you? Because we have no concept of that. We don't see a harvest in a seed. What we see in a seed is something that's not enjoyable, something that we don't want to eat, something that's not pleasant. But God says that seed is precious because it is the harvest of the future. Now look what he says. The Bible is very clear. He that goeth forth and weeping bearing precious seed. So the seed needs to be sown. It needs to be put out. The Bible says, is the seed still in the barn? Hey, I'm telling you right now, Tabernacle, I appreciate what we're doing to get the gospel around the world. But we still have more world to get to and there's still more gospel to get out, we ought to be involved in that. And the devil may tell you that's not important. He's a liar. He's a liar. A little track like, listen, we've got track racks up. Owen Robertson came to me one Sunday, or maybe it was before Sunday, and he said, somebody had asked, can we get more of these tracks? So we put track racks up here. We've got one on the way out of this uh, hallway here. We've got one on the way out the doors going on uh, by the finance office, one on the side going out by the ramp. And the reason we have these out here is because this is seed. And I know people that take and put them inside their bills. You say, well, nobody ever reads them. Well, you don't know that. There are people that take and they, they do all kinds of things with them. Now, I don't think you ought to use them and, 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 and put them in a place that they would become trash or litter. But I'm telling you right now, this is seed right here. And when you're sowing the seed, you're doing the right thing. Amen. God says that little track right there is precious. Somebody says, well, that's just a piece of paper. God says, yeah, but it's got the gospel in it. And I think it's really important. I can hear somebody say, nobody gets saved from reading a track. Huh? I'm sorry. I disagree with you. I had people in my church in Alabama got saved reading a gospel track. No, you've got to have somebody to show you. How can I understand except some man show me? Well, the Holy Ghost is awful good at showing people what their need is, especially they got the Bible in their hand. That's why we preach, and that's why we send missionaries. That's why your testimony is important. Your testimony is a precious seed. There are many of you. I pray over Janet, and I pray over Daniel. Because I know they have all kind of family that are lost. And I ask God to remind their family members the difference that he has made in their life. And then to remind them of the witness that they've given. I would think that, Daniel, you probably witnessed every one of your family members. Janet, you probably done the same. In fact, I could see Daniel. How many of you could see Daniel cornering up all his family members one at a time at Christmas and say, okay, it's your turn. Sit down. Can you see that? I can see that. I need to talk to you again. And I'm just saying, God says, well, somebody says, well, that, that, that's, too, that's too pushy. I don't think you ought to do it. God says that that seed is precious. You know why? Because the truth of the gospel might bring the salvation of a soul. Amen. Amen. I note, though, that it has to be watered. Do you see that? I'm not much of a farmer, but I have learned you've got to have water for that seed to germinate. Look at it. He that goeth forth and, you see that word? Weepeth. No water. No germination, no fruit, no harvest. I can't remember if I read in the book or heard it preached. George Whitfield, great, great preacher that affected this country at its birth, preached to thousands of people when there was no amplification. 
He was sitting in a park and he'd been preaching. And when he got through preaching, he sat down. And as he sat down, it's recorded that what he said is, he said, oh, my fellow Americans, will you not weep for yourself? Will you not weep over your soul? Will you not weep over where you're going in eternity? If you won't weep for yourself, George Whitfield will weep for you. And the account was that he laid his head back there on the bench and just began to sob for the souls of his fellow countrymen. And then we read about when he preached that hundreds of people got saved. Is it any wonder when you water the seed that God doesn't bring forth the harvest? The seed is precious. And then if you look with me in Psalm 139, we'll just spend a moment of time here. <clears throat> I thought I saw somebody on a certain row back there yawn, and I don't want to keep you too, too late. I can hear somebody saying, Preacher, my, my sleep is precious. That's what's precious to me. That's all right. I've seen some of you partake of that right in the middle of service. Amen. Right. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse number 17, look what the Bible says. We'll start in verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written when in continuance were fashioned, which when as yet there was none of them. So God had a blueprint for me and you before we were ever born. So somebody says that's just a fetus. That's just a, a bunch of collection of, of cells and, and of all kinds of amino acids. No, it's a person on the inside of that womb. The Bible says, verse 17, watch, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Now, the way it's written, it should be read this way. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. The Bible says that the thoughts of God toward his people are precious. In fact, maybe I should say it this way. I'm just glad that I have a personal God. The Bible says, thy, thy thoughts unto me. Not just thoughts in general, but God says, I'm thinking on you. In fact, I'm thinking so much on you that I made you, that your members were written in a book, that I put down the size and the shape and the color. I put down all of those things before you were ever born. I thought on you before you were born, which leads me to say this. I'm glad I've got a God whose thoughts toward me are eternal. Amen. I don't have a Calvinist bone in my body. I don't have a Calvinist hair in my body. If I did, I'd pull it out and get rid of it. I don't have anything to do with the idea that God chose some for heaven and some for hell. Amen. But I'm telling you right now, my Bible's very clear. I believe God was thinking on you before you were ever born. I believe he's thought on you when you were in sin. He thought on you when you were a sinner. I, hey, listen, I'm telling you, I got good news. He's still thinking on you right now. How great. He says, how great are the sum of them. I've got a personal God that's thinking on me. He's interested. I have, I have set places where people had no interest in me. Have you ever done that? I have sat in places where there was no interest in me until they found out that I was the pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church. Have you ever had that happen, Dr. Aiken? Oh, you pastor Harold Seitler's church? I sure do. Well, it's really good to meet you, sir. <laughs> it wasn't five minutes ago. A lot of times people are only interested in you when they think there's something to be gained. Do you know the truth of the matter is there is nothing to be gained by God from knowing me, but yet he extends himself and he says, I'm interested in you. Listen, you may be part of the home and feel like there's nobody interested in you. 
that nobody thinks on you. You may be in this church tonight. You may be a single mother, a single father. Listen, you, you may think nobody's interested in you. I'm telling you right now, there's somebody interested in you. God's thoughts towards you are precious. Amen. 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 That he would think on you. Those thoughts, eternal thoughts, those thoughts where God seeth me. Then if you'd go to 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll just pick up 2 in 1 Peter and we'll be finished. I'm having an enjoyable time looking at these things that God says are precious. It kind of gives perspective, doesn't it? I've noticed he hadn't said anything about the dollar in there, haven't you? I'd say that's precious to most people. Right. There's a lot of things that he hadn't addressed. A lot of things he won't address. First Peter chapter 1, well, this is an easy one. Verse 18 for as much as that ye know ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ <laughs> as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I'm telling you right now, the blood of Jesus Christ is precious. The blood of Christ is precious for so many reasons. The blood of Christ is precious, but I, I can still I can still remember the first time I heard Oliver Green preach on those two words, united in heaven, precious blood. If you've never heard that message, you ought to get a copy of that message. Two words, united in heaven, precious blood. He said, I know a man would never have put those two words together because man doesn't look at the word precious and the word blood together. He said, in fact, you deer hunters, here's what he said, you deer hunters, when you go out and kill a deer, he said, Said, what you do is you take that rack and you take that head and you put it on the wall. He said, nobody, never in my lifetime have I had somebody come over with these blood streaks wiped on the wall and said, hey, let me show you this deer that I killed because that, that blood's not precious, but that rack is. Are you, hey, are you listening to me? Th that may not be precious in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God, the blood of Jesus Christ is precious. It's precious. When you get right down to it, you're talking about rare. It is scarce. There, it, it, was, it wasn't man's blood. It was God's blood. It was, it was spotless blood. It had no sin, no corruption. There was no defilement in it. I, we've got doctors in here tonight. I have no idea what a perfect workup would look like on a blood panel. I've had somebody tell me, well, your blood work looks good. How would you like to look at somebody's blood work that was perfect? Well, I've never seen all the numbers exactly what they're supposed to be. Now, who's your mother and daddy? <laughs> well, sir, uh, uh, my father is out of this world. God manifest in the flesh. That was God's blood. My mother was a virgin. Your mother was a virgin, yet my mother was a virgin. Well, that's not, that's not physically, scientifically possible. Well, you ask me who my mother and father was. I'm just telling you, God's my father. My mother was a virgin. Well, that probably accounts for what I'm looking at right here. I've never seen blood like that before. No, and you'll never find blood like that again because Mahatma Gandhi didn't have that kind of blood and Buddha didn't have that kind of blood and the Pope doesn't have that kind of blood and the best Baptist preacher doesn't have that kind of blood. There's only one person who had that kind of blood and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Rare, precious, valuable. Unique purpose. Unique purpose. You know, the Bible says it's compared to silver and gold. And I just looked it up today. Gold is about $1,700 an ounce, $1,700 an ounce. So if I had a coin in my pocket and they sell them, be about that size. 
That coin would be about $1,700 is what it would be worth. Now, in 1970, really from, 19, from 1833 to 1970, 1833, gold was about $18 an ounce. It went to about 30 and all the way until 1970 is worth $30 an ounce. And then around 1980, it went to $615 an ounce. So it really jumped. So that one coin would be worth $615. And then it fell back down around the year 2000, about $280 an ounce. So it lost almost $400 in value. And today, if you had a coin like that that was made out of gold, it'd be worth $1,700. How many think that'd be a lot of money for one little coin? And you know what he says? He doesn't call the silver and gold precious, but he sure does call the blood of Jesus Christ yes, precious. You know why that is? Because the <laughs> gold fluctuates in value and power. The blood of Jesus Christ never fluctuates in value and power. The blood that was shed 2,000 years ago was just as powerful as it was that day. It hadn't changed one bit. It hadn't lost any of its power. And not only that, you know what? If I had one coin, if I, did, if I had a bucket full of those right there, I mean, if I, if I had a suitcase full of gold coins, you know what they could not do? They could not heal. And I tell you what else they could not do? They couldn't heal the mind. There are people that are sick in body, and they've got money, but they cannot find a cure for the ailments they have, the disease they have. There are people sick in the mind, and they have children sick in the mind, and they don't have enough money to find to pay somebody to cure that. You can't, you can't buy healing with a coin, but you sure can find healing through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not only that, you can't buy joy with that right there. You, I can hear somebody say, well, if I had a suitcase full of them, I'd be awful happy. No, but you sure would move up into a different tax bracket. I can tell you that. If money bought joy, then there'd be a lot of rich people that were a lot happier than they are. Can't buy you love either, can it? Well, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The blood of Jesus is precious. Is it precious to you tonight? Is it precious? Last one, 1 Peter 2, 7, and I'll be finished. Well, we'll read verse number five. Ye also as lively stones are built up as a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. That means that's something I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. You know, the Bible says there in verse number seven that Jesus is precious. He's precious. Would you agree with me that there's only one mediator between God and men? There's just one mediator. That makes him of the rarest quality. That makes him somebody that is intrinsically valuable because he could grab a hold of heaven being God and he could grab a hold of men being made in the fashion of man and he could bring those two together and no religion and nobody else could do it. There's only one person that could do that. But then not only that, he's also the only Savior. How many would agree with me on that? He's the only Savior. He's the only one that can forgive your sins. He's the only, he's the only one that can take away your guilt. 
He's the only one that can give you a right mind. There is nobody else that can do that but the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that makes him? That makes him awful precious to us. I know they're in this building. I know in this building there are people, I know there are people that you had to live in a place of doubt and uncertainty, not knowing what the next day would hold. And one day you met Jesus Christ. And though your uncertainty down here may not change, your certainty in heaven just changed forever. That makes Jesus Christ precious. He's precious. He's precious. He's precious because of his miracles, because of his suffering, because of his victory. You know, our Savior, our Savior won a victory over the devil. How many of you may have been impressed with that beside me? Yeah, he didn't just win a victory over the devil, but he also won a victory over death. Anybody impressed with that beside me? He also won a victory over sin. Anybody impressed with that beside me? When he got up on the third day, the Bible says that he had the keys of hell and death. He won a victory over hell. Is anybody impressed with that beside me? So somebody got the victory over hell and death and sin and the devil and the grave. I'm going to tell you what, that's a precious man right there. He's precious. So precious is Jesus, my Savior and King. That's what the song said. So what's precious to you tonight? Are your precious possessions in line with what God says is precious? Or has the world convinced you that what's precious in this book you can do without. There's a whole lot more satisfaction in the things of this world. I disagree. I believe God knows, to, God knows what's precious. And we, we, we should make much of those things. I'm telling you not, we should make much of the Bible. We ought to make much of Jesus. We ought to make much of His blood. We ought to be thankful. Those things ought to be precious to us. They ought to be precious to us. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. I had a good time preaching tonight. Thank you for listening. All right, Brother Buster, come on down here if you would. Here's where I want to end this service, if we would. Brother Rob, if you'll come to the piano. And Brother Buster, you can bring your family with you if you want to do that, if they can. If they can't come with you, then that's all right. If they don't want to come with you, that's all right. That's all right. Whatever we do for Daddy, y'all can share in. Now, I told you that... Uh, Buster, he came to Tabernacle Christian School. Huh. Well, sometimes school is a very difficult thing. There's all kind of problems, difficulties, expenses. And yet he's still serving the Lord. Said he was here today. Or was it yesterday? Is that what you said? You just want to say a word about that just a second, Buster? We came today. She has a, a rod and lengthening every six months, so we come to Greenwood Shriners. She'll have that in the morning. I appreciate you praying for her, please. All right. So here's what I want to do. So you, you don't have to do anything, but if you want to, that'll be fine. Buster, won't y'all just come on over here if you would. Robbie, you just play whatever you want to play. If you stand to your feet, this way we'll be dismissed. You want to come by, you want to give a little bit to Buster and his family, tell him you love him, pray for him. That'd be great. Lord, we'll, we'll see you this coming Saturday. Visitation, Buster, we should be here.